Come on. Welcome to Life Love. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Dr. Holly Richmond. Dr. Holly, are you ready to do this? I am. Thank you much, so much for having me, George. Oh, excited to have you on. Dr. Holly is a certified sex therapist. She's a somatic psychotherapist. She is the author of Reclaiming Pleasure, Sex Positive Guide to Moving Past Sexual Trauma and Living a Passionate Life. Holly, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. Oh, gosh. Um, so I am a late in life mom. I have two little boys, six and eight. Um, married for about 13 years now uh, and very, very busy. So since the pandemic began, I'm sure you're hearing this from all the therapists you talk to, just people have been struggling for the last two years. So with anxiety in general, which I kind of treat through that somatic psychology lens. So for any of your listeners who don't know somatic psychology, so that's body psychology. So I'm really listening to the nervous system, um, taking cues from the body, talking to the body when I can instead of just the brain. But then of course, couples have really been struggling since the pandemic. Um, so just been, you know, really looking at those two, two pieces of my work um, pretty intensely over the last two years. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I mean, so six and eight, we have a, a five and a two-year-old. Uh, and it's, I think, well, we don't need to necessarily comment on whether or not that's made it easier to make it through the pandemic or harder. It's probably true and false in, in, uh, in both ways. Um, so, but dealing with, uh, with everything that, that, that the pandemic has brought us, but then even before, how are, how are we doing we as, as Americans with, with, with sexuality and, 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 and our sex life just lately, maybe even pre pandemic. Yeah. Um, so George, it's getting better. So there's the hopefulness piece. Young people uh, have so much more access to sex. I think in general, they are, they're coming into the world and they're, you know, adolescents and adulthood with a sex positive perspective. So to me, sex positivity, all sex is good sex, as long as it's consensual and pleasurable. So the 20 and 30 somethings are talking about consent. They know what consent means. And they're really starting to understand, hey, sex should feel good too, um, versus someone like me, um, you look a good bit younger than I am, but I just, I didn't get those conversations. It was just, don't get pregnant, don't get an STI, um, don't be slutty, don't be all of these things, right? Um, no one ever said, oh yeah, you should be liking this. Yeah, that's fascinating. So I'm 43 years old, uh, Holly, and I don't think we, there were jokes about, you know, sex ed classes, but I honestly don't recall ever having sitting through one in school. Uh, and I don't recall too many conversations with, with my mom about it either. Uh, so it's fascinating. What is, what has motivated that? Is it just, just sex is in the ether? We have access to pornography really easily or our schools talking about it. How, how is, how, how has that shift happened? Mm -hmm. It's definitely not the latter. Schools are not talking about it. Uh, that that piece of sex ed is not any better. I think it's just 
um, there's been some great platforms out there that we're really seeing this gap. Yes, we're talking about sex, but I think sex has always been in the media. We just didn't have context for it. And you're right with kind of the ubiquitous access to porn now, younger people. So the average age kids, sees, kids see porn is 11. That's just way too early. So then they think, okay, this is normal. This is how you have sex. This is what it's supposed to be like. And then it's really our jobs as parents and educators to say, no, that's just a performance. That's literally naked people acting. That's not what sex looks like. This is what sex should be consensual, pleasurable, and then anything else that your child has a question about. Got it. So sex positivity, the idea of I don't even know if I'm if if I'm saying the idea of 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 consent or the reality of of consent. Um, that's not an obvious thing. Right, right. It's it is so nuanced, um, and and it's not that gendered. But in general, girls are taught to be nice. Right. So using their nose, like as in yeses and noes, like that often doesn't come easy for young women. So it's really creating communication within the system of, yes, I'm ready to move forward or no, I'd rather take this slower. And of course, this can come from the guy's side, too. But he's got all those cultural tropes about, yes, you should be always trying to have sex or, you know, whatever that story is. I think where we are in history right now is there's, again, people stepping in, sex educators stepping in, parents who are really involved now in, in their kids' upbringing that know, you know, I have to have the sexual health conversation. So that is changing. I had a conversation with 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 my wife about, and, you know, these are things that, that I take for granted as you know, I'm, I'm six foot one, I'm 200 pounds and I feel like I can walk anywhere. And so that's, you know, I don't necessarily like the term privilege, but that's, that's a privilege that I have. I'm not concerned about my physical safety or well-being. And now listening to you share that certainly when I'm in a scenario, in an intimate scenario, and I'm the size that I am and my female partner is considerably smaller, potentially or whatever. Uh, I'd never necessarily thought about um, the dynamics that that that's bringing up, but it's obvious now that I think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just these these inherent dynamics that we don't think about, and and now we have more language around empowerment, sexual empowerment, agency, what we want that to look like. I mean, and just changing the conversation about what sex is. Um, it doesn't always have to be penetration. You know, I know, you know, for me and my generation growing up, it was just like, oh, sex is penis and vagina. And of course, now I know as a sex therapist, it could be that, but it certainly doesn't have to be that. It can be any iteration of what the couple decides it's going to be. Agency, that, that's, that's one of, I think, one of the most important words that I think about. And the more we can promote people to have agency, uh, that's, that's such an empowering thing. So and if I never think about what my sexual agency is, then, then I never think about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, is uh, how, how, how do you talk to people about that? Is it, this is who I want. This is sort of the identity I want to have sexually. How, 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 how does that conversation go? 
Yeah, so so in my studies way at the beginning when I was writing my dissertation, I studied Maurice Merleau-Ponty, who was one of the first philosophers in the 40s and 50s who read really studied sex in the body. And what he came to and what I believe wholeheartedly is that sex and self are not dualistic. So there's not me and then there's not me having sex. There's sex and there's me. So I don't have sex, but I am sex in a way. So really sexual health as, is as integrated into ourselves as our mental health, as our physical health, as our relational health, as our familial health. But I think in our society, Western society, it's just like no sexual health is a bonus and we don't think about it. We think it's just supposed to come naturally. We think all the parts are supposed to work and that's just not true for a lot of people. So it's really integrating this idea of choosing what we want our own sexual and relational life to look like because to your point, most people just haven't taken time to think about it. But oh my gosh, they spend six weeks researching what washer to dry or what workout program to go, you know, to try or what diet they're going to do. Yeah. Which is just such a such, such a human thing. So I mean, that's 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 true of so many of the important things that, that that we do. So the idea that sexual health is a bonus is is flawed, that the idea that that George is here and then George having sex or his sexual life is over here. Um, when in fact it should be treated more, how do do, do you think that the, the conversations we're having around mental health could be a precursor to, to this sexual health? Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. And, and you nailed it with that. I think, um, again, most people are now like, oh my gosh, my mental health is really important. There's really no other health if I'm severely depressed, severely anxious, struggling with any personality disorders. So again, that part of it has been integrated. That's the word I like. So we're, we're integrating ourselves. So our mind and bodies are on the same page and we're not living in parts of ourselves. Um, and I liked how you did that with your hands. Um, I know our listeners can't see us, but you know, there's not George here, George having sex, George being a dad, George being a husband. If we can get all of us, all of our integrity on the same page, we really move through life so much healthier and with agency. This episode brought to you by Hydronique Hydration, electrolyte powder drink packets. Started in the midst of the pandemic, the founder of Hydronique Hydration, a frontline healthcare worker, started developing constant headaches. Landmark research study published early during the pandemic showed that up to 81% of frontline healthcare workers developed new headaches, mainly because their PPE, personal protective equipment, like face masks and face shields, which prevented them from eating and drinking properly while on the job. He would leave work tired, dehydrated, and burned out. The founder looked for a healthy drink with all the necessary vitamins and minerals, but no sugar. Something that was keto-friendly and healthy, but most powder drinks in the market have a ton of sugar and caffeine. That's why he created Hydronique Hydration. Sugar-free, keto-friendly, plant-based, antioxidant-rich electrolyte powder packets for daily use containing all the essential vitamins and minerals, with a refreshing taste. The product contains elderberry, which has immune-boosting properties for support during cold and flu season. Hydronique Hydration Electrolyte Powder Packets can also fit into your bag or suitcase when traveling. Remember traveling? So if you are having trouble with eating and drinking healthy during your busy day in 2022, but want a sugar-free, keto-friendly vitamin drink, give Hydronique Hydration a try. 
There are 30 electrolyte powder packs in each pouch, perfect for a one-month supply. You can visit the website, www.hydroniquehydration. That's www.hydroniquehydration.com. It's the word hydration and unique mashed together. That's www.hydroniquehydration.com or just search for Hydronique Hydration on Amazon.com where they're offering a $10 discount coupon at checkout for the next week. You can also find the links in the notes of the show. So is is it going to be harder because... People think sex is, is 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 more taboo, but you told me at the beginning that younger folks are more comfortable talking about it. Uh, it, it and it's still taboo. So if they're growing up in households that never talk about sex, it's going to be hard for them to learn to talk about sex. Yes, they have their peers, but I really think there has to be a systemic shift in us understanding how integral sexual health is to our lives. And how integral is sexual health to our lives? <laughs> I I don't think we can be our fully realized self until we have these conversations just with ourselves or with a trusted person about what sex means to us, what we want it to feel like, what we want it to look like, Um, certainly talking to our partner about it. Yeah. So having the right tools to have that conversation, I think that's if I don't know how to do something, then I'm probably not going to do it for a million different reasons. So is it just a function of what do I want my sex life to be like? How do I want it to feel? Can you just help me to help help the audience to ask themselves those questions? And then potentially, how do I have that conversation with, with, with a partner? Sure. So in my practice, um, I treat sexual trauma. Um, so I'm, I promise I'm wrapping this all together. So I, I treat a lot of survivors of, of sexual trauma. And it's really interesting with them because we can see clearly how sexual trauma lives in contrast to sexual health. So there's an easy access into what do I want my sex life to look like? In George, I'm completely fine if someone says, uh, you know what, I think I'm really asexual. That's a choice about sex. That's not thinking about it, right? Or you know what, I feel best if I'm having sex with my partner once a day or um, four times a month or twice a year is fine for me, but have that conversation. And then, so the first conversations you're having is with yourself. What does sex mean to me? How is it important to me? What do I want that to look like? Uh, Where's my self-pleasure practice in there? Um, And I'm not saying masturbation because it can look like masturbation and it can just like look like self-pleasure. So when we say masturbation, there's usually like the end of an orgasm, you know, that's there's, we're usually, working towards an orgasm with self-pleasure i feel like that gives us a little bit of a broader range of what that 20 minutes what that hour can look like for ourselves is it just time with ourselves in a sexual way the other thing i'd love to do with my couples and individuals is help them understand their sexual template Um, so we will have a session or two that looks at desire which is the psychological process of wanting and arousal which is the physiological process of wanting Um, And I walk my clients through step-by-step some specific questions. These are in the book um, about really how they can start to think about these things, because it is, it's scary. If you haven't thought about sex before, 
jumping right in um, and thinking about it. So I do it through the five senses. It's erotic, not necessarily sexual. So eroticism, vitality, life force, vivacity, agency, co-creation. Um, and again, we can be working towards that sexual element, but, but for some people, it's just too scary to jump into the deep end with it. Got it. I, I think it's, I think having a template and having steps or, or a process, or, you know, do, do this, then, th then do that is so helpful. That's, I think maybe I'm just a linear thinker, but uh, I, I imagine it's probably helpful for everyone, which is why templates exist. Yes. Um, and the idea of erotic versus sexual, I mean, that's, these are concepts that I, I don't know that I've ever necessarily considered the difference between those two things. And then self-pleasure versus masturbation, again, um, I think we're going to have to have you back on to, to, to dig deeper into these things, doctor. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it, but yeah, it's just really getting to know ourselves better. And again, many humans put so much time and effort into their work or into family or into nutrition or into exercise. There's just, I don't meet that many people who are like, yeah, I've taken some time to think about and cultivate my sexual health. So and there's there's not a right or wrong amount of time that should be earmarked for this it's however long it takes to get these thoughts concepts clear to, <clears throat> to to get clarity on them yeah exactly so for someone who's experienced sexual trauma so let's say that their first sexual experience was a non-consensual one they are probably going to take a little bit longer to really settle into what sexual health looks like for them. Whereas someone um, who is maybe in their 30s and is like, yeah, I've, I've kind of always had that idea of, of sexual pleasure in my head and what feels right for me. And I've done some exploration doing their sexual template. I might only need an hour or two with them. Makes sense. <laughs> Are are women more open to this than men is that a fair thing are there differences i think that's fair i think that's fair with men um if there are sexual i'm going to say predilections um a little bit more intense with that would be kinks or fetishes men are reticent they're like oh my gosh is this normal right so that will take a little while for me to parse out um I haven't, I love, I haven't been shocked in a long time. I can be surprised by people's kinks and fetishes, um, but usually they're not even half as uh, different as people think they are. So we really have this internalized sense of shame about what I like sexually. And again, we think we're alone out there and no one has ever had this thing or thought about this thing that we do in this way. And that's most often not true. So much of this must come down to shame like like all of our other problems huh right right and yeah so if you're a survivor of sexual trauma i can guarantee there will be a lot of internalized shame um but for just most of us moving through the world again if our parents never gave us the language to talk about sex first of all it's taboo and then we learn oh my gosh i guess no one's comfortable talking about this so i'm just going to internalize it not have words for it and feel bad about it yeah well, thank God you're here to help people through this <laughs> process, Holly. <laughs> well, Holly, thank, thank, thank you so much for coming on. Um, do you have a difference-making tip that you'd like to share with us? I do. I do. Um, 
the healthiest couples do three things and it's number three that I want to highlight. So the healthiest couples give each other active appreciations daily. So they say thank you and they express gratitude to their partner. Please say good morning. Um, that's part of this. I, George, I can't tell you how many people, how many couples I talk to. I'm like, tell me what happens in your morning routine. And they just get up and start barking orders about get the cereal, get the kid dressed, get the, you know, I've got to race out the door. I'm like, well, where's the good morning? Where's the hug? Where's the kiss? So active appreciations. Give your partner the benefit of the doubt. Most often arguments occur because of misattunement, not malice, right? So your partner isn't trying to irritate you or piss you off. They're just misattuned or they're being mindless in the moment. So give them the benefit of the doubt. And my third tip is to talk about sex. We know the couples with the best sex life talk about sex, which you and I have been doing for the last 20 minutes. So I'm hoping that your listeners will take piece of, pieces of this away, first start asking themselves those important questions, and then having really productive conversations with their partners. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. <laughs> Ollie, th thank, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they take advantage of, I, I know that you have a, a, obviously the book and coaching program and courses. Where can they find all that? Absolutely. So my website is drhollyrichmond.com, D-R-H-O-L-L-Y-R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D.com. And I would say most of my social media presence is on Instagram, and that's just Dr. Holly Richmond. Perfect. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Dr. Holly your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to drhollyrichmond.com. That's D-R-H-O-L-L-Y-R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D.com. Find her on Instagram as well. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Holly. Thanks, George. And until next time, keep fighting a good fight. We are all in this together. <laughs>